0: This is really this is about putting your faith into action, living it out, if you will. And I, I tried and, and, and I wanted to find the most uh, clear and most concise passage that I could in the Bible that really kind of puts lays that out for us. And I found it uh, with some reminding from, from here and there uh, in a pass. In a, I did a series about two, a little over, about almost two and a half years ago now. Uh, I did a, a sermon, a, a whole message of a messages, a series of messages. Excuse me, on uh, on the what we call the fruit of the spirit, and I'm going to show you those in just a moment. And I, I'm going to just kind of go through those. There's nine of them. There's a nine-week series, if you can imagine that. But it's they, they it really gives us a good, clear, concise picture of what what we're supposed what what a person of faith who's put, who put their faith in Christ and who are seeking some, you know, they, they've explored their faith and, 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 and engaged, they're beginning to grow, what they should look like, smell like, talk like, you know, and, and all the other kind of stuff. So, very simple, very very easily put. Here it is, Matthew, or excuse me, Galatians. I'm going to do Matthew in a moment, but Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Here it is. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there's no law against these things. Just he's alluding, knowing that he has a Jewish audience predominantly at this writing, uh, the writing of this epistle. Uh, He wants to make sure they know that's not, uh, there's nothing wrong with that according to the Mosaic law. But it's putting your faith in action. Here's what happens. Now, I want to go through these very quickly because there's nine of them. I really can't even spend five minutes on each one. Um, but, um, uh, so I'm just going to spend a couple minutes on some and more minutes on a few others to kind of get you to think along with me. And as I'm going through that, I want you just to kind of be thinking, and I'm going to come back to this in a moment. How am I doing with this? If I'm a person of faith in Christ, how am I doing with this? So just stay with me. We'll, I'll, we'll talk more about that in a moment. First thing is this, when you put your faith into action, you just, you love in a deeper way. And I just talked about this last week if you were here. And if you were here, you'll remember this passage from Matthew. Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love your neighbor, excuse me, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So we talked about that. We kind of unpacked that for you a lot last week. And, and I'm not going to repeat all that, but let me just say this. When, when, when we see the kind of uh, our faith in going into action, one of the things that happens is we see this, this love in a deeper way. That might be reflected, certainly will be reflected in our love for God. Seeking to know more about him, seeking to try to understand some of the mysterious ways of God, even though we never will fully, at least in this life. But we do that. But also with others. So how does that look? Does that mean then that it, you know I, I, I may work among the poor? Yeah, it might mean that. Does that mean giving to those that don't have? It might mean that. Um, might it mean you know one of the things? One of the things I I ran into. Um, at Penn Station a couple few weeks ago, I was going to meet some folks and, and uh, I came out and you know you know people were handing out stuff like they always do and I usually try to at least make eye contact and say no thank you unlike some of my friends who just totally disregard the very presence of their being there. Um, but this was kind of fun because I did the same thing. I said no thanks. I didn't even look at what it was. And as I walked by, there, you know there were three or four tiers. You, you, by the time I got to Thirty Fourth Street, I hit I think the fourth string and. Um, and I just saw Bible. I just saw Bible on the thing they were handing out, and I, thought, oh, I wonder what that is. So I went back, which is really kind of weird because I went back. I said, "Hey, could I have one of those?" And I don't think anybody had asked him that at that point in time. I, 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 they looked at me kind of weird, like I was that, that like that scene in Elf if you ever saw that, where the guy goes around picking up stuff. Anyway, so it was a Bible crusade, and it's over with now. And I don't know anything about it. I read a little bit of things, but here were people doing some things that they felt like, and, and it truly was, expressing their faith. Is that the only way? No, that's not. A lot of people think that's, that's one way, and then certainly it is one way. But there are many ways. And so you go through these other things that I've been talking about, working you know, among the poor, or working in a soup kitchen, or, or maybe doing something with Habitat for Humanity. They're going to be doing something in Summit very soon, um, which is just a great you know, ministry and so forth. Is that, is that what it is? Sure, it's all those things. But you know what else that may mean? And because you know what gets lost in all that? This, always, this has always bothered me. Uh, not just recently, over the years as a pastor, this has bothered me. I'll tell you who gets lost in here. I, you know, I talk about the, the, the poor, I talk about the soup kitchens, talk about Habitat, I talk about all that. I'll tell you who gets lost in here. It's caring enough. It's caring enough about, you know, about your financially secure Wall Street bonus fat neighbor. He's not a fat neighbor, Wall Street bonus fat. Okay, don't miss that. Early service didn't catch that, and they thought I was calling their neighbors fat. Um, but it's caring enough about, about the, the affluent, Wall Street, bonus fat neighbor who is morally and spiritually bankrupt because they don't have God in their life. It's caring enough about them. You know, and this is an issue. I'm not, I'm not, being, I'm not criticizing your neighbor. I'm just saying there's a lot of people like that where we live. We don't often think of that. Well, they're affluent, they're, they they're okay. Well, you don't, you know, here's the thing that I've learned about this. And and I don't know why, but for some reason uh, the Lord has been pleased over the, most of my years in in ministry to put me in places that were fairly affluent. I didn't seek that out. It just it just sort of happened. And uh, I was in Vail, Colorado for almost 18 years. I've been here now for almost 7 years. And um the first time was I was in, in Vale and, and you know a lot of our church was second and third homeowners. there were a lot of locals too, but we had a lot of, a lot of second and third homeowners and um, and I remember the first time I really got to be good friends and he 's still a good friend was with a guy and I had said something about well you know god 's blessed you with money he had, he had a third home in, in Vale and uh, and I remember him saying to me i 'll never forget this this has been twenty five almost thirty years ago." I'll never forget, he said to me, you know, you, you say money is a blessing. I don't think it is. I think it's a curse. It has caused me more pain and misery than you can possibly imagine. And for him, that was true. Now, I want you to know, he doesn't feel that way now. And he would say it has been a blessing because he's been able to do some really great things with how God has blessed him. He built the church there. He built the whole thing, basically, him and a couple other friends. Um, so, so my point is this. We, we forget about these guys. Who's concerned about these stiffs? I mean, you know, I mean, oh, great, they got plenty of money, but does that mean, I mean, everything, I mean, they're spiritually and morally bankrupt because they don't have God in their life. Um, so, so what about those people? You know, let me show you. A Princeton study in 06 um, and I, I can give you the link if you ever want it. Send me an email. But it, it's easy to get. Go to Princeton.edu and go to their news and just put in, uh, um, put in money, affluence and, and, and happiness and see what you come up with. Here's what this study says. While most people believe that having more income would make them happier, Princeton University researchers have found that the link is greatly exaggerated and mostly an illusion. These folks need, these folks, many of you, have, and some of you have been there. Some of you understand that very well. You've been you have the affluence and, and you had and you had, or maybe still have, the emptiness because you're not looking in the right places for that gap to be filled. Listen, there's a ton of people who live around you who are like that. Don't forget about them. I mean, I did some things when I between the Vale Church and this church and in, in Russia, and some, some very fulfilling things in, in Russia with some orphanages and, and, and just incredible stuff. And your heart goes out there. But, I mean, you know, we we, we can see the need there where there's such a great need. But the need is just as great here among the many who have a lot. Let's not forget about those folks because that's where we live. And that's who many of you are or have come from that or were there or maybe still might be thinking about some of those things. Um, You see, what am I supposed to do? Preach to those people? No. You know, one of the great things you can do. This is why we. This is why. This is why we're here. You can say, "Hey, you know, I don't know if you're interested, but I go to this church, man. You might want to come. We got the kick, the band that's great, <laughs> great band, <laughs> and 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 the pastor who's just totally insane. But I mean, other than that, it's really great. Um, and just get him to come." and you know and we kind of help take it from there at least we'll try um, mother teresa said this when she in her nobel peace prize acceptance speech mother teresa won the nobel peace prize uh, i'm talking about self control and you have no idea how much self control i'm using right now you have no idea <laughs> i'm just leaving it at that okay <laughs> mother teresa <laughs> in her Nobel Peace Prize accepting speech, said this. And so here I am talking with you. She's so great. I mean, she just, she's, and so here I am talking with you. I want you to find the poor here, right in your own home first. Begin love there. Be that good news to your own people. Find, find out about your next door neighbor. Does she live in Jersey. Uh, find out about your next door neighbor. Do you know who they are? Isn't that great? Mother Teresa. So there you go. Put your faith into action. You know, right there. That's that's you love in a deeper way. Second thing, you, you joyfulness. This is you have a kind of exuberance about life that reflects joyfulness. I want to be careful with this one. I don't want you to think it's a personality trait because it's not. There are people, of course, who appear to be more joyful than others. Maybe they are, maybe they're not inwardly. That's the real issue. One writer says, joy is a deep and abiding inner rejoicing, which was promised to those who abide in Christ. It does not depend on circumstances. Um, It shows itself in different ways. But it just it, it boils down to this a certain exuberance about life because you know who you are, you know who God is, and you're connected with your Creator. And there's just joy in that, you know, however that comes out in your personality, in, your, in, your, uh, in who you are. Proverbs puts it this way, a, a joyful, cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. So true, so good, so good. Yeah, that joy, a certain kind of joy that 's just in the heart doesn 't mean you always doesn 't mean it 's always there doesn 't mean you doesn 't mean that you know you don 't ever have sad times doesn 't mean that at all, but it 's it's, it's, it's an inner it 's an inner thing that just is, is always there as a matter of fact. Third thing peace you have an inner peace that is often inexplicable. Let me show you what the apostle Paul says about peace in Philippians. Chapter 4, verse 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can even understand. Can understand His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. It's inner peace of knowing your Creator, knowing who He is, knowing how much He loves you. Far more than you can imagine doesn 't mean doesn 't mean there aren 't any struggles doesn 't mean there aren 't any conflicts doesn 't mean there aren 't any sleepless nights because we have all of those things because we love and we care and, and things bother us, but there 's still that, that, that inexplicable, inexplicable peace that comes from from knowing who God is and, and he 's and he's in my life, and i 'm not where I need to be. I'm not where I'm going to be, but I'm in the process. I'm on the road. Peace. Patience is the next one that he gives us here. You are long-suffering in your patience with people and with circumstances. Now, Now, be careful with this. Because inevitably, we go to other places with this, whether that be traffic or, or the checkout line at ShopRite. I mean ShopRite. I mean, and, and, and we, we go there with that whole thing, and, and we go, well, I don't have patience. And that's a different issue, and you need to have patience. But that's not exactly what this is saying here. Let me show you a verse, and I think you can better understand what God, what, what the Bible is talking about when we hear when we see what God has for us. First Timothy chapter one. That is why God had mercy on me. This is the Apostle Paul talking, so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of His great patience with even the worst sinners. Than others will we'll realize that they too can believe in Him and receive eternal. So he, He's saying. God has had incredible patience with you, with me. And I'm bad. I'm a sinner. I'm a, I'm, Paul used to say that all the time. I know how he feels. I feel the same. I'm, I'm the biggest sinner of them all. Okay? And, and God had incredible, has incredible patience with me. He will for others as well. And I need to have that for others. And sometimes I need to have it for myself. Great um, French uh, bishop of Geneva... Um, French saint, a bishop of Geneva, although that's not in France, I realize, 1500s, uh, Francis de Sales was his name, says this, uh, have patience with all things, but chiefly have patience with yourself. Do not lose courage in considering your own imperfections, but instantly set about remedying them. Every day begin the task anew. Every day begin the task anew. Every day is a new day when we start. Don't Beat yourself up about yesterday or last week or last year or, or two years ago, or, or whatever it is. Move on. Your long-suffering, your' long-suffering and your' patience with people. doesn't mean you don't have boundaries. doesn't mean you, don't, you get burned and you go right back into the same situation. Doesn't mean that's a different subject for a different time. It just means that there's a, a patience with people, as God has had patience with me. And I'm a sinner, like everybody else. Fifth thing: kindness. You reflect a certain kindness in your character and your conduct. This is a good one. Um, These are all good ones. But one Bible commentary puts it this way. uh, uh, This is a benevolence in action such as God demonstrated toward men. Since God is kind toward sinners, a Christian should display the same virtue, that same kind of kindness. You know, and one of the things that in my life I've, I've learned over the years, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. You've all done this, I know, is whenever you've been around people that every, you know, maybe, maybe it's an old person or maybe it's some, somebody else, and you know they're dying. Maybe they have a disease and it's not in remission, uh, but, but and, and there's not a, you know, it's just a matter of time, and you know that. Uh, whenever I've been around those kind of people, I have no problem being kind, and you probably don't either. It's much easier to be kind because you're just thinking, well, they're not going to be with us very long. I just want to kind of go out of my way. So, so keep that in mind. Og Mandino in the, in the book called The Greatest Miracle in the World, this is a, one of those quotes that has made an impact upon me every time I read it. Uh, Beginning today, treat everyone you meet as if they are going to be dead by midnight. Extend them all the care, kindness, and understanding you can muster. Your life will never be the same again. That's a great exercise. Just everyone you meet, just say, you know what, this person might be dead by midnight. They might be. I mean, every week we're reminded of how short life is. Just a great discipline exercise to think through. Changes how you treat people, kindness, your character, and your conduct. Number six, you have an unnatural quality of goodness. When this is happening, when these these fruits are, there's just, there's just, there's good. You say, what does that mean exactly? It's the redemptive nature of God touching a person's soul and heart, and it changes them inwardly, and that outward change begins to take effect. It's goodness that's taking over their life as it begins on the inside. Another commentary says this goodness is an uprightness of soul that abhors evil a clean-cut honesty of motive and conduct. Peter put it this way, First, Peter. You are a chosen people. You are a kingdom of priests, God's holy nation, His very own possession. This is so you can show others the goodness of God. For He called you out of the darkness into this wonderful life. You show others God's goodness by your goodness to them. I don't know if you've ever thought about it quite like that or not. For some people, they're not going to read the Bible. When I go to church. And you may be the only conduit that they have in their lives to show them God's goodness because of the goodness that He has toward you and them, whether they realize it or not. Next word He gives us is faithful. Number seven, you're trustworthy, reliable, and judicious, otherwise known as being faithful. It's basically the sum total of one who keeps His promises. One who's true to their word and who's authentic and doesn't have that, what I call, chameleon complex where they change with every situation, where they change, you know, how some people uh, completely change when another person enters the room. Changes the whole dynamic. You've seen, we've all seen that. You're talking to a person, all of a sudden somebody enters the room and they become maybe a better, maybe a worse person. Depends on the situation. Well, faithfulness doesn't do that. It's the same. Now, here's the thing about faithfulness. We talk about keeping our word and keeping promises and so forth. Every person in here, whether you realize it or not every person in here has 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 broken a promise or lied or something like that every one of us in some way maybe a big way maybe a little way by god's strength and by god's power we have less and less of those and we think through a little more of our commitments that may mean we make less commitments Sometimes, sometimes you know, I've, I've been in situations, thought about this a lot lately, where somebody says, "Can you agree to do this?" I say, "Oh yeah, I can agree to do that," and then I can't, I mean, and I know when I'm saying that, I'm thinking, well, "I can't agree to do that." Well, don't agree to it, you know? Don't agree to it. say no. I don't, I don't. Just be authentic about this thing. But thank God, it doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. That's why that's why Jesus came. That's why we have forgiveness. But we want to see we want to see the, the the whole body of our work, so to speak, being one of being faithful. From that moment on, from this moment on, maybe that's that's what that means, and we thank God for that. And then He gives us number eight, which, frankly, I could do without. Gentleness. This was this is uh, you have a certain gentleness about you that is rooted in humility. You know, I I really believe I want to talk to you guys about this, just especially if you're from the Northeast and you're from this area. You have no clue, okay? You have no clue. Go to the Midwest or go to the South and find out what gentleness really is, okay? And, and, and I only say that for, for a couple of reasons, all right? I, I'll, be, I'll be real blunt. Gentleness has never been one of my strong suits, okay? I'm pretty bold, pretty blunt, pretty direct, which is why I love it here. <laughs> and, and, and my wife, in her very loving, kind, seriously, kind way, Every now and then reminds me, just because the lack of gentleness and being obnoxious is accepted here, doesn't mean you get a free pass, okay? Um, because I could really, I mean really, this, this culture, and, and I want you to really, this culture that we live in, in this little part of the world, here in the New York, in the New York metro area, uh, it's harsh. You, you don't need me to tell you that. It, it's, it's not gentle. And, it can, and, and I see it in myself sometimes. I see it having an effect on me. And and if you've lived here all your life, you're freaking conditioned, you know. And you and you, you and I'm not putting you down, but you, you need to be aware of that. Just like I need to be aware of it as it is. So you need to think about this. And if you really want to, you know, if you really want a lesson in gentleness, just go south for a little while. Just go south, and, and you can say, oh wow, people, are, there are people who are nice. Yeah, there are people who will speak to you. And, won't come up to you in the diner and say, "What the hell do you want, you know, and, 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 and whatever else. Um, sorry, it slipped out. But it, it's true, and you know it's true. Um, the Bible tells us in Ephesians, be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Jealous, and, and listen, God can give us that ability. Even those of us who aren't particularly strong in it, He can give us that, a, a greater degree of that. Ask Him. Don't be afraid to ask God for that. Some of, some of us need that, and, and ask God to keep you from becoming conditioned. Every society has some conditioning. Every culture has some conditioning that's not healthy, and, and we need to be aware of that wherever we are. One uh, cardinal, Cardinal Newman, eighteen hundreds said this about about a good, a gentleness. Watch This is really good. Watch this. Gentleness is moderation in response to extremity. It's meekness in response to condescension. It's humility in response to compliments. It's calmness in response to anger. Just think about that for a moment. That's really good. That's really good. Gentleness. Last thing. Something that... You don't always see me exercise, but I did today. Self-control. You have an ability to keep things from getting out of control because you have some self-control. Proverbs, there's a proverb that that really illustrates this well for us. Proverbs 25. A person without self-control is as defenseless as a city with broken down walls. If you don't have self-control, all kinds of stuff's going to happen to you. I mean, all kinds of stuff's going to come into your life that's going to be dangerous and it's going to be damaging to you if you don't have self-control. And God, thank God, can give us the ability to have some self-control, to say some no to some things that we need to say no to, to say yes to some other things we need to say yes. God can give us that ability as the Spirit of God works in us and grows in us and makes us stronger in each one of these areas. Now, let me ask you to do something, a little homework assignment. Find someone you're really close to, husband, wife, best friend, maybe even kids, although that might be dangerous, and, and just read those verses, Galatians 5, 20, you know, fruit of the Spirit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no longer this. Just read those verses, and, just think, and, and I want to just talk just for a moment, just for a moment, I want to talk just to those of you who, who, who know that you're a person of faith in Christ, Maybe you're early on in that journey. Maybe you're a long ways into that journey. And, and there are some of you here who, who aren't really, haven't made that step yet. And I'm really glad you're here. And you can just listen to this, okay? You just kind of listen and, and, and let, me talk, let me talk to those who are just for a second. Because if you're in that situation, here's what I want you to think about. I want you to get with, like I said, a best friend or somebody close. And say, hey, how am I doing with this from what you know about me? Great dinner time conversation. Yeah, hey, you think, am I, am I more loving? Am I more patient? Am I more joyful? That you, do you observe that? Maybe they, they don't always observe. It's not always evident, but it's a good exercise. Just a little—just little check, a little checklist. You think, am I doing better with that? And you know, and, they, and, and and I will just say, if if you're one of those that are asked and they're not, be gentle in how you answer back. You know, say, well, you could use a little work. You know, yeah, but but be honest with each other. And there's not very many people you're going to have that conversation with. That's okay. You need to have it. I want to do this. And in, in, in just a minute, I'm going to get the guys to come up before they do. There's this, there this old prayer. Actually, Steve found it for me. It's, it's, I learned from the early it's like first and second service, it's a Celtic prayer, not a Celtic prayer. I thought it was Celtic prayer. But I don't get why they're not called the Boston Celtics, because that's how the word is supposed to be pronounced. So for now on, for our purposes, Boston fans, they're the Boston Celtics, because we're going to be English proper. Um, So it's an old Celtic prayer, ancient, ancient prayer. It's really a great prayer. And um, and I want to read it to you, and then I'm going to pray, and I'm going to get the guys to come up. Well, you guys, come on up now if you want to. Um, um, I want to read you the prayer, and then they're going to do a song that this prayer is based on. And it's all the stuff wrapped up together all these things we're talking about wrapped up together alright and here it is God to enfold me God to surround me God in my speaking God in my thinking God in my sleeping God in my waking God in my watching God in my hoping God in my life God in my lips God in my hands God in my heart God in my sufficing God in my slumber, God in mine ever living soul, God in mine eternity. I said, "That's so great! Such a great prayer." Let me pray, and they're going to sing a song based on that prayer. God, we, we we you are you're everything, and 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 we so much. Those of us who who have a trust in you, we so much want to see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Gentleness and self-control developed into our lives. We so much want to see that. I pray, God, we would be yielded to the Spirit of God. We'd be reminded of that here in a place we call church on a, on a regular basis to, to, to have that and those things in our lives and all they represent. We pray that and pray, God, that you would be in, just in our everything. In Jesus' name. Amen.